0: to the First Lady. 37 years of service, 37 years of love, 37 years of working in this vineyard. We give God thanks for him. It says something about this man of God this woman of God. It says something about you, to be together and smiling for 37 years. Amen. There's something you can't fake. You can't fake 37 years. When I came up, people are smiling. I walk into the office, people are being gracious that says something about the Spirit of God in this place. That speaks loudly about the man of God and the woman of God in this place. And so we give God thanks on this day as we celebrate 37 years of love and service in this place. Now, even though I'm from New York, Hey, I got some New Yorkers in the house. I remember when I would go visit my grandfather, down south they would have these dirt roads. They still have them. And they would have these machines that would come through and pave the roads and keep them smooth. And so you would never drive your car after the machine would come through, you'd have to wait until the dust settles. And so when I heard the fire coming from this pulpit, I I knew I just needed to wait until the spirit of the Lord uh, would rest and not calm down, but just cool out a little bit in this place. I give God thanks for you. I bring you greetings from Soundview Presbyterian Church, where I've been laboring in that vineyard uh, for 28-plus years I I bring greetings from uh, my wife and my children. It is indeed a pleasure to be with you on this day and to share with you. Let me say something about your, your bishop. I see pastors all of the time hanging out in academic circles. And uh, some struggle to do that. But to have a man of God who moves seamlessly between academia and worship is no small feat. Uh, Amen. Amen, amen. Sometimes you meet people who are connected to the church in academia and you know and you pray, Lord, please don't let him or her get near the church. (laughs) But you have a man of God here who there at Hartford, brings a sense of integrity, brings a sense of God's presence. Um, And in academic circles, you see him doing ministry and changing lives and shaping leaders for some 20 plus years. Uh, And so we give God thanks for him, amen. And I have been, uh, these 20 years, blessed by Uh, his example, blessed by his integrity, uh, and blessed quietly by his, uh, and loudly by his support. You need somebody, uh, when you hang around academic circles, you need somebody who has your back, because sometimes academic circles ain't all that they're supposed to be. And so we give God thanks for him. Well, I won't hold you in duly, I'm I'm just telling you what you already know, but I want you to know that I know uh, what kind of man that you have? I won't hold you unduly. I acknowledge uh, your theme. I shall not die, but live and declare uh, the works of the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 17. The scripture has been read. Let me again uh, just call your attention. to Mark chapter five, beginning at verse 25. And let me ask, I'm not gonna read it. It's already been read, it's already been read. I won't have you stand back up again. (laughs) But ask you to do something when you get home this evening, that you look at chapters four and chapters five. There's a lot going on uh, in both of those chapters. A sufficient Savior. That's what I want to talk about just a few moments this morning as we celebrate uh, 37 years uh, on this day. When we turn to chapters 4 and chapters 5 in the gospel according to Mark, we meet a busy and powerful and teaching Savior. When you look closely at the text, here in Mark chapter four, Mark chapter five, you see him crisscrossing from the west side to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Teaching in the synagogues, and then teaching on the eastern Gentile side. There at the end of chapter four, he crosses the Sea of Galilee. And on that, actually it's a lake, a storm rages. Jesus, after all of his teaching, is in the back of the boat sleeping. They wake him up. And he says to him, why are you so cowardly? Do you still not have faith? Overwhelmed by fear. And then he gets up and looks at the winds and looks at the waves and commands them to be quiet. And then in astonishment, they raise the question, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? There, when he gets on the eastern side, Near Gerasa or Gergasa, he meets a man who is gripped with internal storms and calms his heart and calms his mind. That's on the east side. And then he crisscrosses back now on the west side, gets out and starts moving to Capernaum. A man stops him and says, my daughter is sick. He starts then toward the synagogue there in Capernaum. On the way, he meets a woman. I like the way Mark describes her. She is bleeding. She has endured much under doctor. She has suffered for 12 years. I think sometimes what's worse is not so much what happens to us, but when something happens to us, we don't know the right place to go. So the text says that she, for 12 years, endures all of this agony. For 12 years, she endures all of this pain, spends all her money, and yet even gets Words. Oh, let me pause right here and say, I don't care where you sit. I don't care what you deal with. When you're talking about Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, there's always hope. This woman, bleeding, she's ostracized. This woman, bleeding, she's a social stigma. This woman, bleeding, If anyone touches her, they are unclean. Sometimes you wonder, when the storms of life rage, where is the Lord? Sometimes you wonder, when the storms of life rage, why is the Lord taking his time? Sometimes you wonder, when the storms of life rage, what is the Lord up to? But she hears that Jesus is in the house. As she comes up, the text says, and just touches the hem of his garment. Because she thought in her mind, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And Mark says, she touches his garment. And immediately, the bleeding stops and she was healed in her body. You know, when you call on the Lord, it don't take that much time. The Lord has a way of speaking in our storms. The Lord has a way of meeting us right where we are. The Lord has a way of saying to our souls and minds, peace be still. And then the Lord stopped, feeling that power from on high had left him. And then he says to his disciples, Somebody has touched me. And then the disciples incredulously say, Lord, there's a crowd around you. How can you say, who has touched you? But he knew in his heart that power had left from his holy robes. And then he looked around to see who had done it. And then there's this woman trembling with fear, knowing what had happened to her. She comes and falls down before the Lord and tells him the whole truth. There's nothing better than being at the feet of the Lord, at the feet of Jesus. And in some sense, maybe that's a rehearsal because the Bible says, Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then she told him what had happened, and then he said, Now, daughter, Your faith has made you whole. Now what's fascinating about this story is that it's a miracle within a miracle. Remember when he starts out, he's going to another man's house. And while this woman is confessing, while he's talking, representatives from Jarrah's house says, ah, don't bother the teacher. Your sick daughter has died. And the Lord says, no, let's go on to the house, Uh, cause death is not gonna have the last word. He goes into the house and they're wailing and mourning. And he says, why are you wailing and mourning? She's not dead, but she's asleep. Uh, And they start laughing at the Lord. And then he goes over to her and says, Talutha Kume, daughter, get up. And the record says that she gets up. And then he gives instructions give her something to eat. Ah, oh, notice how Mark slices a miracle within a miracle. I could imagine, I could imagine Jairus is wondering, why is Jesus talking? To this woman. Oh, but maybe Jesus is taking his time uh, to let him know that when you get on Jesus' time, earthly time stops. Kronos stops. And when Kairos' time, divine time is always the right time. Oh, let me lift up my first point now. First point simply is my first takeaway is this number one, Jesus always has time for you and always has time for me. He's on the way to a dire situation. He pauses, I can imagine Jairus' heart is saying, come on Jesus, we don't have time. Come on Jesus, my daughter is dying. Come on Jesus, I need you now. But Jesus can take his time because he's made time. Jesus can take his time because he has all power in his hands. Jesus can take his time because he's going to always have the last word. I like the fact, brothers and sisters, that Jesus always has time for you and always has time for me. Second idea I want to hold up as well, I want to hold up uh, the tenacity of this unnamed woman, 12 years, hoping, 12 years, bleeding, but holding on. She has grit, Uh, I'm with people of color now, if I said this in another setting, they might not quite get that, and I almost started to say she had grits, but yes, you, know, I, you know I might do that after the service. But she has grit, tenacity, holding on to a hopes, holding on to a dreams. I say that to say this: hold on, don't give up, don't give out. The Lord, if you give up, be reminded that the Lord has you. I hold up the idea of grit. Oh, people of color, oh, we've learned that, how to just hold on. When life is tough, hold on. When the storms of life rage, just hold on. And after a while, the Lord will show up. And then the reason why you and I can hold on is because our Lord is able. I hope you know that the Lord is able. I don't care what scenario you're dealing with, that our Lord can step into darkness and say, let there be light. Our Lord can step into a dead situation and bring back life. Our Lord can step into disease and say, move aside, because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is here. Our Lord is able. Jesus always has time for you and me. Ha! Ah, I hold up the idea of grit, tenacity, hold on. Angela Duckworth, in a book called Grit, a psychologist, says that one of the greatest indicators of success in life is not who you know not how much money you have who are influential people on your linkedin page or facebook it's the ability to hold on and hold out how she started to come to this conclusion is she taught math over there in the lower east side and some of the kids were from the projects and some of the kids were from well-to-do scenarios and at first she thought she could just by looking at where they were from, indicate who was gonna be successful and who was not. And so she noticed that those who were on the, from the other side of the tracks had a toughness about them, had a stick about them, and they were able to hold on and hold out. And so she then did her doctoral research and she said the greatest predictor of success is not how smart you are, not how much money you have in the bank, not how many PhDs your mama or dad might have. The greatest indicator of success is grit. The hold on, the hold out, and see what the end is going to be. Now I can see somebody says, "Well, Reverend, Reverend, that's not who I am. I don't, I don't have grits. I don't have grit." Uh, I would say one of the byproducts of hanging out with the Lord, one of the byproducts of the presence of the Holy Ghost in all of our lives is grit. I'm in Bible country now. If you turn over into Romans chapter five, we're told that God has poured his Holy Spirit down into our hearts. And that in there, we have, he develops character and in that character, he gives us patience. Oh, that word, patience. Patience doesn't do an adequate description of what that word is. In the Greek, uh, it's hupermone, it's grit. It's the ability to hold on and hold out. Oh, that's what Job in James is commended for. Oh, patience again is not quite accurate. He holds on till God shows up. So God makes it so that you and I hold on because he puts something on the inside and then he grabs down in our hearts what's already there and he holds on and holds out. The Lord has blessed me, and Bishop knows this, the Lord has blessed me in my AARP card years uh, with young children, so if I look tired, it's because I am, it's because I am. I have at home an 18-year-old my wife was a single mother uh, and I fell in love when I saw her, uh, then the Lord after that blessed me with a set of twins, oh Lord, I know, there's seven so if I look tired it's because I am, James and Raquel and then, uh, so somebody asked me, um, your family with you? I said no, no, I got a lot of family, I couldn't bring. Him. And then on top of that, he, he blessed me with, a, I got a four year old, Joshua. I, I know you heard that. Woo! And so, and so Shiloh, when I'm when I'm walking, Bishop, when I walk it out with my kids, somebody will say, y'all, y'all slow down for granddad. And then and then and then I'll grab my belt and pull it up a little bit and say, those ain't my grandkids, they mine. The Lord give them to me. I'm going somewhere with that. On, on James and Raquel's second, second birthday, we wanted to do something different. And so we brought them to a peach farm uh, there in Jersey. Peach farm. And so we'd come a little early for, for peaches and there had apples there We did some. Uh, we looked, got some apples, got some peaches, but came a little early for the peaches. They were okay, but they were, they were hard. And my wife, we'd bite them and my wife would say, the peaches are, Hard and so we're ro- roaming around, child, looking for some some good peaches. And then, when I was by myself, I looked on the ground and I saw this peach on the ground had a bruise on it. I went over to it, I rubbed it on my pants, I kissed it up to God. And I bit the peach, and the bruised peach on the ground was the best peach in the place. I say that to say this. You're mad because you feel like uh, you've got some bruises in life. You're mad because you feel like God has put you aside. No, no what he's trying to do is make you sweeter. Make you better Give you a testimony that the Lord can pick up busted peaches, and in the midst of that, make them sweet to the taste. Oh, I close out on this Uh, because I got little ones. I'm always watching kitty movies, kitty movies, and you know what? Some of them movies are right. One that I really like is there's movie trolls. Now some of you won't know the movie. The kids will know it. Trolls, and in this movie. These evil Bergens, big evil people, are trying to eat these little trolls. And uh, there's a troll in the story, Branch. And you think in the story, they get caught. And you think then they're gonna be eaten by the trolls. And you can get excited and say, oh, don't eat Branch, don't eat Poppy. Don't eat the troll. But then you have to stand back and realize they can't be eaten. You know why? They're the star of the story. If the the trolls eat them, then there could be no Trolls Two and Trolls Three and Trolls Four. So since they're the star of the story, the way the script is written They always come out on top. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't you know you're the star of God's story? Don't you know that the Bible is a love letter written from God to us? Don't you know his eye is on the sparrow and he watches over you and me? And because of that, we're reminded we have a sufficient savior. God always has time for you and me. Hold on, because God loves us with an everlasting love. You may poop out, but God still has you by his abiding love. Ah, oh, brothers and sisters, ah, oh, remember that our Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, our Lord who came down forty in two generations, our Lord who died on Good Friday, our Lord who God raised on Resurrection Sunday. Our Lord is able. I've seen the lightning flashing, and I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sins breakers dashing as they tried to conquer my soul. But I've heard the voice of my master. He bid me still fight on. He's promised never to leave me never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He's promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. When it gets dark outside, he's promised never to leave us alone. When life goes awry, he'll never leave us alone. When the doctors say, I don't know what to do, he'll never leave us alone we shall not die but live and declare the everlasting praises of our lord and our savior our sufficient savior the lord always has time for you and me have grit god has put it in your heart by the power and presence of the holy ghost and our brothers and sisters I give thanks today because the God we serve is able, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all all that we can ask or think, able to dry our tears, able to lift us up, able to give us a new song to sing, able to do all more than we can ask, believe, or think. Brothers and sisters, be reminded today that we serve a sufficient Savior. Oh, really, there's really not quite a word to say what kind of Savior, because really he's more than sufficient. Uh, He's more than whatever we ever need. Our God is able. He's always working. Our God is always on time. Oh, God has poured down into your hearts and mine by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the ability to hold on, to hold out, uh, to see what life is going to be. And our Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is able to do that which we have committed unto him against that day. Our Lord is able. Bishop, 37 years. We give God thanks for you. You're a testimony and a testament to God's power to hold on and keep you. My prayer is that the Lord would continue and give you, I was going to say 37 more years. As y'all walk down the sidewalks of time together, my prayer is that the Lord would continue to do great things in your hearts individually, great things in this church collectively, so that this community will, will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Lord lives and he's active in this place, bringing renown and glory to his name. God bless you on this day, amen.